This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. Okay, so I'm sitting here and I am going to be talking to Mark Livesey, but before we get started, I want to talk about his e-scouting course just real quick one more time. I've been doing it and going through it, and I'm not even completely through it. I think I'm like 17 or 18 modules into it, and now he keeps adding more on me, so I feel like I'm never going to get finished, but that's a good thing because now I'm continually learning. And while I'm learning, I'm also learning it's not only for elk. It can be adapted to so many other things like deer hunting. And um, I just want to tell you guys that are listening that Mark has given me a promo code to save you guys money and save $20 off of his course, Treeline Academy, for e-scouting. And then there's going to be some more things, I believe, added to that. Right, Mark? I'm hoping for that. Okay. That's the master plan. All right, so the code is PC2020. PC2020 will save you $20 when you sign up and get some serious knowledge. But today, we're not even going to talk about that. We're not even talking about e-scouting, Mark. We're going to try not to say one word about e-scouting. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about dehydrated foods and backcountry meals because I recently, as you know, just got a new dehydrator. And I have been going nuts with it. So that's what we're going to talk about. It's my second favorite topic. Well, who doesn't like food? I mean, I am a fat kid and I love food. Well, so. <laughs> you meet you. I've never, I, when I, I did 15 years of triathlon and uh, I did 11 Ironmans in my career. And um, I never was accused of being skinny during any of those, any of those times. So that's pretty interesting though, that, you know, a bigger boy really, really got in there and got after it like that. I, don't, I, I wasn't, know. and I'm, I'm not Lucas, saying I big. You were a lot smaller. Than I wasn't that then. big then. I'm a little bigger now. I weighed 170 when I did 175 is when my peak. Um, but I raced a lot around 200 pounds. A lot of my career was about 200. So that's, that's <laughs> right where I'm sitting at. And that's about 18 pounds bigger than I need to be. But at 200 pounds is my fighting weight. At 200 pounds, I'm like pretty lean. <laughs> yeah, I need to get down. At one, and when I'm at 175, I was packing my lunch. No kidding. I was packing my lunch in what we used to call back in those days portion trays where we'd only give ourselves so many cups of, you know, carbs, cups of whatever. Yeah, counting macros. It, yeah. Exactly measured out. And I was taking my own food to Thanksgiving dinner. 
Ugh, that sounds miserable, Mark. Yeah, it was miserable. I, I did it for a couple of years like that. And, and Christmas, Thanksgiving, I'm pulling out my Tupperware, eating at the table when everybody else has got, you know, whatever else is out there. And uh, it was brutal. But I mean, I got to admit, it, what's crazy is, like, my bulk of my weight comes from sweets. Reese's peanut butter cups are my freaking nemesis. <laughs> here's, here's the weird part, right? So, like... I try to eat pretty much paleo-ish, ish. I will say ish because I add a little bit of dairy in there as far as like cheese and, and things like some that. peanut butter cups and peanut butter cups. Can't help it, man. <laughs> I will go. I will go like two weeks without them, and then one day I'll just break down. I'm like, I'm a fiend, and it's like okay. And, and at work sometimes we got them too, and they stick a whole bag of them in the freezer, and I'll have I'll grab like four of them and just eat them, and then the next day I'm like, ah, oh, man, I shouldn't. <laughs> And it's just a pattern that repeats itself until I get enough willpower to stay away from them for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I um, I'm not a sweets guy. I'm not. A, I've never been that much of a dessert guy. Thank goodness. I've got I've got all kinds of other problems, but that's not one of them. <laughs> well, you know, to be honest, I, I wasn't really either until I quit drinking. That's what uh, I I never used to touch sweets. I never ate even if it, even if it was my birthday, I wouldn't even have a piece of cake because I didn't like it. I didn't care. But then it was weird. It was like once the alcohol was gone. Oh, so that better not. So what you're saying is that better not quit drinking beer. Better not quit drinking because you'll be, yeah, you'll be a peanut butter cup eating machine. (laughs) (laughs) Man. But anyway, so let's talk about meals right now. Like the biggest thing in my house is the fruit leathers. My my kids like. One of them loves the the old Lampers Mountain Candy with the sweet yeah. potato leathers. And she asked me, she goes, Dad, do we have any more of the orange ones? And I go, no, I'm sorry, honey. You guys really, I, I so probably good. ate them all. But um, but then the other kid, whether it's like wild berries, whether we're picking wild berries and filling up a bucket or we're doing like the other day we were at the store and they had a case of, uh, it was a fresh market and they had a case full of raspberries. So we bought the whole thing. We already, we already, blended those up and put them on and they're just tearing them up but you know what the way i see it is they're getting fiber they're getting fruit and it's better than eating some type of artificial corn syrup or something so well you know just like to start things off with that with the fruit leathers and even the dehydrated um even the fruit which we can talk more about too but um you know the kind of the key for us and what i've started is when farmers market is cranked up or when the local like there's a couple place, couple houses around ours that have apple trees, and you know when you got apple trees, it's either feast or famine. You've got like apples galore, and you can't give them away, and then in the winter you've got nothing. Yep. And so um, what we started doing was just taking, trying to take advantage of those seasonal things when you can buy them cheaper. Not only buying them cheaper, but better quality, and then um, and working those up. And dehydrating those and bagging those. And, you know, the fruits, we like to take, there's a lot of ways to do the fruit, but we like to take it to a pretty dry state, almost like a chip, where there's just, like with apples, it's got a little chewiness to it, but it's pretty dry. Now, you can obviously, like like the, the fruit that you buy in the store that's dehydrated is much more moisture rich. Um, but for me, you know, taking it into the backcountry, now this was kind of pre-llamas, so now that I have llamas, I probably take it a little heavier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I have pack llamas now, so I don't worry about the weight that I like. I used to worry about it, but that's one of the reasons like, we got kind of into the more dried fruits was because I was doing it that way, um, just to kind of save some weight too, you know. And uh, so I don't know if you, have you done pineapple yet. I have. It's awesome. It turns into like little well, pieces of candy. Yeah, but didn't it? It hurts your mouth if you eat so much. But didn't it make your mouth sore? Your cheeks? Like the acid is so concentrated that it's like eating like a whole pack of sweet tarts at once or something. You know? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't get that. I only had a few pieces though. The kids. Tore oh, if you off, eat so. if you eat too much of it, it gives this. It makes your your cheeks raw almost. <laughs> and uh, but so good, man. The pineapple's my favorite, no doubt. And the kiwi. So kiwi and the pineapple are really 
hometown favorites so and the banana chips. When you do the so kiwi, ba- do you do you peel it or do you just slice it and put it on there? What do you do? I peel them. I do peel them. Um, but you, pr- I don't know. Can you eat the outside of kiwi? I don't. I've never eaten. I know it, one actually, guy that does. Only one guy. Oh really? He just okay. takes it and bites it like an apple, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like. Just extra fiber, no big deal. <laughs> well, Ryan, I mean, Ryan Lampers, you know, I, I we might as well introduce him to this concept. The guy, he's like the king of dehydrating. That's where I've learned most of my right my stuff from him. But they do orange slices with the peels on. And when they're dehydrated, they're incredible. I um, haven't done that. I know, but you know, normally you couldn't do it. You couldn't, you probably, I mean, I don't know, some people may, but it's too too toxic for me in in its in its um normal state but uh yeah they um do do those things with the with the peels on them and uh they're pretty good pretty good the key with fruit the tip with fruit and i know you're just getting into this you may already know it's well i mean i don't get me wrong i have done it in the past and i have a dehydrator that's round trays but now that okay. I can put parchment on there and those big nonstick silicone sheets, I've taken it to a whole new level. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, yeah. man. I, I want to get into that because I want to ask you some questions. I use parchment paper almost exclusively. It's just – it's like the – the parchment paper is like the holy grail of dehydrating. It, it's helpful. Um, yeah. You can almost get away with everything with that. Um, but – um, it, you know, it's got its, uh, it's got its uses and I'm sure it's got its limitations too, for some degree, but when it comes to the fruit, um, one of the most important things you can do is to buy a slicer. You know, I did it for a while, hand slicing it, but you just cannot control the quality of the thickness like you can with a slicer. And, you know, when it comes to dehydrating, consistency is everything. And, if your apple slices or pineapple, whatever you're doing, if they're the same thickness, they obviously turn out way better. So I would really highly recommend even the cheapest of slicers work for fruit. So now um, you're talking like you're not talking like a meat slicer. You're talking like a mandolin or something like that that you can set the blade and and cut. Anything. I mean, I have a meat slicer. I mean, mine's a, a small meat slicer. You cut your fruit on um, a meat slicer. Yeah, it's a small, you know, I can adjust the thickness as well, obviously. Really? Um, but it's a small, you know, you got to be careful. You'd be cutting your fingers off with the thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, it, it you know, it, it doesn't matter what, you, you know, there's a lot of options out there. You know, I see like these little um, food processor things as well will cut pretty consistent. Um, the key is cutting the thickness consistently. And just with a knife and a cutting board, it just can't be done, in my opinion. I, I haven't met a person yet that can that can slice everything, you know, the perfect, you know, the perfect thickness. And you can play around with the thicknesses too with some things with high moisture content, like pineapple. We talked pineapple. Um, you can get away with pretty thick pieces of pineapple. Yeah. And um, but bananas, I can't. They get mushy and they don't dehydrate well. They get like a coating on them. You'll notice like with bananas, they'll stick to air. I mean, they're like, you got to pry them off of everything. I think like the the other thing is foods with like a high citric acid in them. Right. They, they tend to preserve better, you know, and retain color and everything like oranges or pineapple right. and things like that. Well, the lemon juice mixed with water and spraying it on your fruit, you know, your stuff, um, keeps it from doing that well there's a lot of tricks to kind of keeping your fruit looking but i don't worry about it too much personally i i don't think it affects the flavor all that much i think it's more of a cosmetic thing yeah it's absolutely um, what it is. yeah yeah so i don't worry about it all that much but i do the apples with the skin on i do um obviously pineapple i skin it obviously kiwi i do skin it um the banana chips that I make, I really like banana chips for a lot of reasons. In the backcountry, when you're hunting, particularly the bananas, if you if you like bananas, I mean, if you don't like bananas, you don't want to dehydrate bananas if you don't like bananas because they're very banana-y. <laughs> I like <laughs> I like the If that's chips. a word. Yeah, I yeah. made them. So, but the potassium load that they give you, it's just like, it's almost like an instant healing effect. Yeah. When you're tired and worn out, 
Um, you know, a lot of guys are using electrolyte tablets of some kind, you know, fizz, noons, and um, all different kinds of things. But, man, those banana chips are really gold for a little calorie replacement. But even more importantly, you know, putting that potassium back in your body, um, they're, they're excellent resource for that. And I like to, again, with the banana chips, I like to dehydrate them pretty thorough i like a more of a chip with a little pliability but not much yeah i like i like uh, to be able to bite it and break it yeah as long as you it, can get it yeah if you can get it thin enough I, and i've done quite a bit of those in the past i just haven't done any lately but we take yeah um, and with the bananas they turn like i've noticed they turn like a real kind of nasty dark color sometimes if you let them sit. they do um but uh my my wife always puts that that ball canning it's fresh fruit which is basically just concentrated citric acid and she, yeah she sprinkles that on them and it tends to help it does help yeah. the bananas too but yeah no i i agree uh as far as like the nutrition aspect because if you're just eating and no offense to mountain house and some guys love it and it's great personally we already talked you know i don't eat the grains or anything like that so it really made it tough for me and that's when i started seeking other options and i was like man i'm gonna i think i'm gonna commit to this so i can go grain free and start making some options because one most of my options are even more expensive than your average options and and two there's not that many of them. There, there's maybe three companies that make it to where there's, you know, 100% grain-free meal to where it's got the – and the other thing is is the protein content. I like a lot of meat. I like high protein, and I want that in my meal. And if I'm not getting that, well, now I guess i got to make them. So. Well, and even if you do find a few options, you're going to be – on a seven-day hunt, you're going to be eating the same meal <laughs> virtually every night. Yes, you know? that's, that's so the other you've thing. So you've got some diversity. You know, you're creating, you know, not only a healthier, you know, I don't even want to say healthier because some of the newer meals that are out are fairly healthy. I mean, yes. there's no doubt about it. Well, that's like, so that's not really, yeah. So it's not really because you can't find a healthy alternative. It's more of choices and cost. Yep. Um, you know, my situation was when I got into this, when I was hunting, you know, I, I probably averaged four for elk hunting wise. Let's just say for elk hunting, I ate dehydrated meals maybe a few other times, but for the most part, let's just limit it to elk hunting. When I was when I was hunting fourteen to twenty days a year for elk, which is what I averaged for most of my career, um, I can get by with mountain house for fourteen days a year, broken up to to a couple hunts. Not that bad. But this year, particularly, I mean, I'm going to be upwards of 65 days just elk hunting. And um, so, I, I mean, I'll probably go through over 100 meals um, this year, at least 100. I'm planning on 100, 120 meals total, you know, counting a few, few breakfasts, whatever. But you can't. Well, I don't, I shouldn't say this. I, I do not want to put a hundred mountain houses, uh, in my body. No. Um, you know, there's some, there's, there's a place for that stuff. And, but when you look on a mountain house and you see the expiration date, I'm looking at one right now that says 2046. And I'm like, well, that's a long time from now. <laughs> and there's a, you know, that's just there's a reason. Right though, Mark. I mean, yes, it has a lot of sodium sodium in it that helps, and it kills a lot of the things in it. But that's because it's freeze dried. Let's. <laughs> yeah, well, let's be honest. And when you look at the package, the, you just gotta look at the ingredients, and that'll straighten you out right yeah, away, without a doubt. <laughs> but it, again, so it's not. We're not here to bash Mountain House, because dude, I've got I've got a bunch of Mountain House sitting here right now in my in my little that I had left over from when I first. Um, switched five years ago. It's just I've never eaten it since. Um, and uh, you know, so guys that are doing seven to ten days of hunting every year—that's all they're doing. I don't know that going for the meal prep is a reason to get into this business, hundred percent. But if you take it the approach that like you're doing, 
you, you know, we were talking about this before we got on, I think your kids and the fruit leathers and starting to experiment with some other things. I mean, there's so many other things you can do in addition to just doing backcountry meals um, that are available with that. And I mean, let's just be honest, but this COVID mess we're in <laughs> and I mean, all that we're open, we're shut down, we're, we can buy groceries, we can't buy groceries. I mean, we got to wear a mask. We don't wear a mask. I mean, nobody knows what's up. And having a little control and having a little bit of uh, resources, uh, there's nothing wrong with that either. Nope. So there's a lot of reasons that you might want to consider taking the leap to to do this. And I'm sure we're going to get into this in the podcast, but I've learned a lot of things about it and you're learning too. And it's exciting to see you getting into the, into it as well. But you started out like most guys, including myself with the round center vacuum air dehydrator. Yep. And those are just fine for a lot of things. But when you get into meal preparations and you get into liquids and you get into like um, consistency from the inside to the outside and you're trying to get more, I don't want to say commercial, but high volume, um, predictable times, you know, you just got to make the step up to a more of a, a commercial rear, rear vacuum, rear airflow unit. Yeah. And, um, and I, I know you might want to talk about the one you got. There's, there's a lot of great brands out there. You, you know, I'm not here to promote one brand or the other. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not but... here to really promote one brand or another either, but the brand I got was, um, was meat made with meat. And it's, I got to say, it's awesome. I, before that, and I'm, had, I'm, I'm going to get, I'm getting ready to get one of those myself. Yeah. So I, before um, that I had a Nesco. I had one of the Nescos yeah. that you could buy the additional trays. It was round. But the problem is, is the air comes in from the top. So yeah. either every couple hours you go and you change the order of those trays and yeah. take the bottom and start rotating them, or else you don't get an even dry. So now all your right. stuff on top is done and your stuff on the bottom is still still. And wet. that's what I was trying to, that's what I was trying to allude to on that yeah. without being, yeah. Um, yeah. But that's, and that, and like for some things that works, but, Man, I I need I I'm making hundreds and hundreds of meals a year. I mean, between my wife and me and my kids, now I've got friends, unfortunately, <laughs> that ha, that have convinced my wife to make their meals. So we're we're charging guys for meals and making them for them. Now don't be emailing me because we're not doing it anymore. There's the next but, uh, right there, Mark. That's definitely not my business. <laughs> And if you get killed, you know, if you get um, botulism for many for many of our meals, and I'm not reliable, I'm not liable for that either. Um, so, but I mean, we're doing well. I bought. Let me just think about this. I bought 250 bags last year, mylar bags, and I just made a reorder. So, in 12 months, I went through 250 meal bags. So. so Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about materials that are needed other than, obviously, a dehydrator. You can use anything to start out, but I'm guessing once anybody gets going in this, they're going to want something that has the the fan in the back of it so it dries all the trays evenly like we just Don't even about. tell people. That, don't even tell people that because you don't, want, you don't want them to buy a Nesco or buy any of the circle ones and then – and then spend the money on that and then have to spend the money True. on okay so let me rephrase so that just just buy if, if you already it. have a dehydrator at home maybe play with it and try it but right. if you're going to spend the money just spend the money and get one that you're going to be happy with save your money yeah and get one you know get the meat get the cabela's 80 liter or the excalibur yeah or the excalibur that's the three that i I know they work extremely well. Um, Ryan's been raving about the meat when you've been raving yeah, about he messaged, it. I've, he messaged me about it. <laughs> He's like, hey, man, and, that's what I've been running. It's great. Well, and Ryan has Excaliburs. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's a good comparison. I've got um, Cabela's 80 liters. Um, 
But I'm at capacity. I, I'm going to add a second unit. So I'm going to add that meat is my second unit because, you know, I can do about eight meals. If I load that thing to the hilt, I can do about eight meals in that 80 liter per cycle. Um, so, you know, there's a lot more. I'm sure we're going to get some comments and people, oh, you forgot to mention this. <laughs> but I know these work and I know they work extremely well. The Cabela's version, if you like Cabela's products, and they tend to stand by them pretty well. Um, since Bass Pro bought them a couple of years ago, I, I don't know. Seems like they're still going strong and everything's still good. But Well, isn't um, it uh, – uh, that brand is like an LEM products, I believe. It's a, I, That's right. It's an LEM. I am a huge LEM fan. Yeah. So I'm a big LEM meat processing guy. But I probably will be making the switch to the meat yeah. brand. So we're working. I'm hoping to work with them in the future. And um, I'm real excited about trying some of their products. They're kind of a, I, I would say they're new on the market, but man, their stuff looks incredible. And uh, really high quality made. Um, I was really impressed with the pictures you sent. Um, anyway, I, I think those are really good. So Spend the money, get a, when I say rear fan, what you mean by that really is that the entire back of the unit is basically an exhaust fan. So it's exhausting all, let's say, for example, in mine's a 15 tray unit, it's exhausting all of the air equally amongst all 15 trays. Yep. Yep. Is basically what, what we're trying to say here. And most of these units do it with a rear exhaust the ones we've talked about at I, least I Yours the, is a, the, the meat is not a rear exhaust it i think it, com it comes out of the front but the fan is in the back with the heating element but it pulls it out and then it has a duct work that brings it out the front right yep 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 so that you can slide it up against something yes exactly yeah. yes it's and i think there's a couple the yeah so my mine exhaust right out the back okay um my wife but, made me move know, it I, into the basement because i've had it has not stopped running since i bought it no bs well, like I, it'll have like maybe an hour or two if i'm sleeping or something and then when i get up i throw something else on there <laughs> it's it's a continuous rotation so far mark <laughs> man you're you're going crazy you're more use of mine i've even i've even um uh, well anyway let's I'm, I'm getting off topic but let's um let's get so, back into the since the you said so the gear so since you said that so you want to keep in mind that these things are not small. No, it's my wife. <laughs> so Let if you're going to put that. it on, if, if you're going to put it on your countertop, <laughs> you've got to have some counter space. So, and your house is going to smell like what you're dehydrating, yes. like strongly. So mine got, mine's down in my meat processing room in my basement. <laughs> and, uh, which is where my office and my film studio is for my, Oh, I'm not going to say it, but um, for my work that I do and uh, what little work that I do. <laughs> and so I'm always down here, you know, recording modules while I'm smelling chili being uh, dehydrated. Um, but it's it, you got you got to think about that because people that live in like apartments and, you know, things like, it's not that you can't do it. You just got to be prepared. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That means yeah. is that a fair statement? Yes. So, yeah, that is a that is definitely a little service announcement there. That please be considerate of others and and realize what you're putting in there. Um, yeah. But so my wife, when I first got that dehydrator, she texts me and she goes, "Your behemoth of a dehydrator just got here." <laughs> she goes, "Where are you gonna put that thing?" And I don't know if, but the the movie Christmas Vacation with Clark Griswold, where he's talking to the neighbors when they're talking to him about the Christmas tree. And then <laughs> I sent her that little, that little gif. I, I texted her that and it's like, bend over and I'll show you. <laughs> you got a lot of nerve talking to me like that Griswold. But so I did that. And then after I had it running constantly and we, we've got this heat wave, I don't know what it's like up there in Montana, but we've got this. It's heat not wave. 60. It's a, it's a heat wave. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, we've been in the nineties. So she's like, you're just making it hot in this house constantly move that thing down to the basement. So I had to set up a little area down in the basement and that's where I've been doing it now. 
Yeah. It's just something you got to be, you know, you got to be ready for that. And um, you also want to make sure you get one that has a range, you know, whatever you, some of these, um, well, like the Nesco, I don't, I'm not picking on the Nesco, but you know, the donut dehydrators, <laughs> Yeah, they don't have the range um, of heat and it's not consistently. So you want to make sure that it, whatever unit you get that has a, an adjustable thermostat, it's just not static, which most of them are, do have adjustability, but 105 to 165 is kind of what the commercial ones do. Cause you'll want 165 if you're trying to do like, you know, beef jerky and things like that. And you know, anything that's like uncooked, you'll want to be more towards the high end yep. of that number. If you're going to be doing cooked meals and dehydrating, like you're making a meal, for rehydration you're going to be you know in that 130 to 135 degree range maybe even 140 ish in that range once you get above 140 you're kind of almost starting to cook it a little bit so and then you know we talked about the solid fan and then the timer is crucial a lot of these don't even have timers you just let them run and when you come back in you turn them off and you know it just makes it where you got to be around and so I think with a little forethought, get the right temperature range, get the right um, timers, get the rear fans, whatever you go with, you're you're looking pretty good if you if you go that route. Yeah, I think the meat's got I think it's like twenty four hours or something like that, twenty six hours. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I've utilized that. But so let's talk about other things besides the dehydrator. So, okay, um, I have bought mylar bags in the past. Yeah. Let me say that it's an expensive thing if you're buying them. And if I'm not making as many meals as you are, like, I still have a surplus of bags. And some of them I ordered, and they were kind of the wrong size. And I get them from, like, I've gotten them before from, like, ready-made resources. And Lehman's, I believe, is the other one that I've gotten them from. But it's like you got to buy, like, 500 of them. Yeah. And you could do it on Amazon, but it's hit or miss. That's right. Well, I'm gonna. This is probably a good enough, good as time as any to announce a few things. So, I've noticed that as well. And to get the really good mylar, now there's a couple things about mylar. You got to be careful about mylar bags. Mylar bags are not approved for food unless they are. Does that make sense? Yes. No. Yes. And they can put off some toxins that are not good for you if once you introduce that boiling water or heat them to a certain point, it could be problematic. So you want to make sure that you are getting a food grade Mylar bag. And, um, you know, some of them say they leach chemicals once you get above 180 degrees. So if they're not the food, that's right. So you're going to be, you're, you're running, you're at the border there of the capabilities. So what I'm planning to do is when I finish my course that I'm on now, that we're not mentioning, right? Um, my next course, I'm, I'm kind of going in, you know, here's the thing, Lucas, I'm, I am not and never will proclaim to be an expert on, on a lot of things, but there's three things in the hunting realm that I feel like I've got something to do contribute to the community number one and my first passion is e-scouting i mean i i've just spent i've almost treated it like a like an educational experience as far as that goes yes so i've just studied it i've spent a lot of time in it my second is doing these meals i just love it um i've learned a couple things from you today we'll try to talk about that really exciting i never even tried it so but that's the great thing about it i mean use always things to try and do new things so that and then meat processing is another one of my big ones i can't say for sure between dehydrated meals or processing my own meat which i'm probably you know more passionate about so to speak but both of those are be will be courses that will be coming up next because there's just such a need for it guys are really not guys guys and gals and families and we can talk about this too. I've switched to this. Really are looking for these kinds of advice, guidance, help, 
cut the learning curve down, just like we, you know, with the with the e scouting class, just cutting that curve down, not making mistakes, spending money wisely, buying the right things first, and not having to repeat mistakes over and over that people have already done. Yep. And um, so the bags. So part of my course that's going to be coming is you can do the course, or you can do the course plus supplies, meaning you get the bags and, and whatever quantity you want with the course. And or you can I'm hoping to have a deal, hopefully with me. I'm kind of we haven't even talked. Who knows? <laughs> I'm just going to throw yeah. it out there in case they listen to this. Well, let's just say I, it's a cool company. So we hope so. Right? Yeah, it's a cool <laughs> company. I'm going to I'm going to them first. No doubt about it. But I want to do a full package where you get the slicer, you get the 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 dehydrator, you get the vacuum sealer, you get your however many bags you want, and you just get going with good quality, ready to go stuff. So the point on the bags is, if you can buy them from these, you know, from these wholesalers, because remember these guys are used to selling to coffee companies, and you know that you buy the coffee in the Mylar bags and whatever. They're just used to the volume that the individual people to get the price down to the 25 cents or 50 cents a bag, which is great. You got to buy a lot of bags. And um, so, but that's where we're at. So I'm going to start offering, the. I'm going to buy the bags in bulk, the ones I've tested, the two that I would use the most, which we can talk about if you want. Yeah. That's and um, I use two kinds. One is a single serve meal, like we've been talking about, yep. and the other we haven't even you and I haven't even talked about this was I do a family size bag, a stand up family size bag that will serve like four or five. So, for example, we'll go with the llamas, or we'll go camping. We'll be floating all day. We'll say we're gonna have chili dogs or something. I guess you can have that, right? That's not green. Well, I don't need the uh, either, but <laughs> oh man, you are. I mean, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> just trying to be clean man <laughs> but uh oh geez well for the rest of the world the real the real life livers that are out there listen mark if what? amy did all the cooking too i'm sure you would eat a lot healthier than you do and i guarantee you there wouldn't be any pieces of spam in your pack now if you bring <laughs> spam up in the presence of my wife it's very very ticked off <laughs> So we may have to bring that up in a minute, but so the so the point is, I do these these are much bigger bags. They're like thirteen inches, but they're nine by thirteen by four, and they hold seven to eight cups. And what's really great about those is you can do a whole family meal. You can cut the top off the bag, and it's a serving bowl. Oh, nice! Yeah. So like stews, chilies. I mean, whatever's on your diet, just pure meat. I mean, whatever you, you're a carnivore now diet, so whatever, just got raw roast beef in there, whatever you got. Um, but the point is I kind of concentrate on those two bags. And what I like about the second bag, the bigger bag is it's about, man, it's almost double um, the density of the individual bag. It's more rugged. It's more designed for like the family use type on the table um, I guide trips in Yellowstone, and when we take clients in, I dehydrate a lot of meals like this so we can do it like this. We can serve it right out of the bag, and it's great. It's really great. So but what's, again, what's the thickness on those bags, Mark? Is it like a five? I, you know, I, I knew you were going to ask. Right? I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I want to say it's like it's a higher thickness than, especially like I've ordered some on Amazon just to try them out that were quote unquote food grade but they're a super thin bag and i've actually no had, i know dude i know things that have punctured them no that's so that's i want, I want to get into that i've got some <laughs> i've got some comments about that yeah. um i've got i've got the web page up here now but the minimum you can buy is 250 yes. and at 250 you're paying you're still paying decent amount of money um so what I want to do is buy them by the tens of thousands and repackage these things so that guys can get them in a more manageable number. Yeah. 
almost like we're going to do it as a group buy, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just, it, it's all, you know, it's just like anything. I mean, it's a volume business. I mean, I can't understand it. What is the mill on these things? Mm. So let's talk about, um, what, what we're doing 4.3 mil okay yeah so it's almost five mil yeah okay yeah, yeah these, these bigger bags. bags yeah now these are the bigger ones the other ones are a little bit but even my even my lighter bags i've never had one puncture in five years I and got... i do like i've mentioned a lot i do a lot yeah and i've never had now one of the things that i do do so let's just do you want to talk let's let's Go in order here. Do you want to talk more about bags, or you think we kind of covered that? Well, I think we kind of covered it. But now, there's some other things you can do with bags. Okay, you can if you're really um, price conscious and you're just trying to get by, and you're just you can get by with freezer quality Ziploc, high quality freezer Ziploc bags. They will hold the boiling water to a certain point. Yep. It is not ideal. I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> um, the other thing that I have experimented with, and it works extremely well, is the new is the sous vide bags. Yeah, the vacuum seal bags. Yep. yep. The, those 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 cook in sous vide bags, and um, basically, you know, a vacuum seal bag, but it's a sous vide bag. They're a little bit more pricier than. Um, like a Mylar bag, but they are available in smaller quantities. So, and yeah. they're clear. So, so you, you can see in them a little bit, but they don't stand up. They don't, oh, that's you know, what they I was going to get at. They don't stand up. And they, they don't, don't have, have the Ziploc. They don't have the Ziploc seal. So you got to be careful about all that. I mean, think of how crappy it would be though. You're sitting, sitting on the side of a mountain, beautiful country, tired from a day out hunting. You got, you pour your water in that. You set it there. And next thing you know, you turn around, and look at something, and boom, you knock it over. That I, dude, I, I would dude, be devastated that's like, if <laughs> that's scary. That's scary. You just made me like almost throw up in my mouth thinking about it right now. I would be devastated. <laughs> As a so fact, I do. I can say I would be devastated if we if we have a fire at camp for some reason. I don't do a lot of fires. I'm you know hunting, but if I we do have one, I will fill my mylar bag up. I will zip it. And I'll set it right by the fire and it keeps that heat going and just, and then I'll finish whatever I need to do in camp. And then 20 minutes later, I'm ready to go. I don't have to wrap it up in anything. You don't have to wrap it in anything, but I found that with the Mylar, they're so reflective. They're also called retort bags. Some people call them retort bags or retort pouch, but um, anyway, Wrapping it in a little towel or even a shirt or a sleeping bag, if you want to risk that, um, it really helps a lot. If you insulate that bag a little bit, you don't have to, but it will cut your time down and it will it'll make your end product a little better, too. Well, I've, I've actually I, that was going to be my next thing I was going to talk about if you didn't talk about it. But so do you have like a pouch? I'm going to make one this year, and that's one of the things that we're thinking about adding to our arsenal in this course is sewing a super lightweight single bag where you can slide that eight. The bags that we use are eight eight point five by eight point seven five. Okay, and that bag can slide right in, and you can maybe even where it's got a Velcro closure would be really nice, and and that you could pick it up and eat out of it, so that you wouldn't. Those things are hard to hold on to when they're when they're blazing hot, yeah, blazing hot boiling water in them. But then they so, lose their heat, so it's like, yeah. Know, so I, know, I, I we're we're I gonna experiment Hyper with that. Makes one. Hyper Hyper Light hiking gear makes one, and I think. Does it fit multiple? I mean, you it fit multiple size bags. Yeah, it's it's wider. Yeah. And it's got like the top to where you could you with the Velcro thing, like you're talking about. But see, I want I want one custom so that <laughs> when you open it, here's the thing: I hunt in grizzly country a lot. I do not want sloppy food all over my my insulated thing. That's yeah, you know, I, I, once I'm you know done with that bag and it goes into the to the double Ziploc 
trash enclosure, but my insulating thing does not. I want it pretty form fitting. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, totally. I don't want to be digging down into some cloth and brushing <laughs> that cloth with my spoon on the way out. Just so um, everybody knows, Mark, when he, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> when he's processing an elk, he strips down to his skivvies, unless for some reason he's already lost those, and <laughs> in which case he gets fully naked. And he skins out the he, – he actually processes the elk and quarters it up in his underwear. Well, number one, <laughs> I rarely wear underwear, so I'm usually I'm naked. I'm usually naked. <laughs> but I have – I do – like, if I'm doing some long hikes, it's kind of hot. I do wear those, like, ex officio, um, you know, mountain underwear. Those, because what do they say? you chafing. You can wear them for 25 days or something like that. Yeah, I wear I, I um, the first light under. Yeah, under. so those kind of things. Yeah. So I do wear those from time to time. But it kind of depends on what mood you catch me if I'm going to be in underwear or naked. Well, that's because, yeah, I'm the same way, and that's why I brought it up and said I put you – I threw you under the bus, though. But, yeah, so I, I wear underwear when I go on long hikes or something like that. <laughs> but I'm like you. So otherwise. it's funny. So, yes, you're processing milk naked, like I said. Yeah, so it's funny. I'm going to do a quick story. Since, you know, podcasts are great for stories. Here's a quick story. So I was at the trailhead one time during the middle of the week, and I was the only guy at the trailhead, and these two dudes pulled up, and they're over across from me, and I've got my llama state, you know, tied up to the trailer. I'm getting my stuff together, and they keep looking over at me, and I keep thinking they're looking at the llamas, checking them out. <laughs> and um, they finally come over as a pair. And they said, hey, dude, are you – um?" Are you tree line pursuits? I said, Yeah, I am actually. Said, oh man, we watched your videos, blah, blah, blah. And I said, like, Oh, that's cool. And we got to chatting. And so anyway, we hit we kind of hit it off. And those guys, they they had not killed an elk before, neither one of them. And they were kind of going in, trying to get this done. And I had a bunch of days to hunt. I wasn't even really, I mean, I was ready to kill an elk, but I wasn't really looking to kill an elk. I was just kind of checking out this area. First time I've been in this area, and I said, "What well, if you guys want to just go with me and camp? I mean, I'm welcome. You're welcome. I don't want to. You do what you want." I said, "But I'm not going to go that far on this first camp set up." And I said, "If you want me to call for you tomorrow, I said I'd be glad to." And they're like, "Oh, that'd be great." So we did. No big deal. It's fun. Hung out with these two guys. Next morning we get up, bull bugle ride at camp. <laughs> Called this bull in. I think three times I couldn't get shots. So finally I backed up and any long story, but this bull finally walks by this dude and 50 yard shot. And he made a freaking beautiful shot. It couldn't have been more perfect. Just a perfect shot. Elk runs out into a wide open field, tips over right in front of us. So they're so pumped. First elk they've ever killed. You know, big deal, it's a big deal. And so we get out there, and I'm like, well, I mean, you guys need help with this part. And they, you know, they didn't really know 100% how to do it. Obviously, I hadn't done it before. So, well, there's this kind of this thing. I'm like, I got to strip down to my underwear. It's going to be weird, but <laughs> that's that's kind of the way I do it. Yeah. Just because I'm in here for 10 days. We're in Grizzly area. I mean, I don't want blood on stuff. So these two dudes, they're like, well, we should probably just do it too. I'm like, well, <laughs> okay, then that's good. So we all stripped down our underwear and processed out together. We never met each other. <laughs> At least you had underwear on though, right, Mark? I was wearing underwear on that trip. Thank yeah. God. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, it's a good story for everybody. <laughs> so let's, let's uh, finish up. We'll finish up talking about equipment and then yeah. transition into recipes. Okay, so vacuum sealer. Um, I really recommend, not necessarily for the vacuum part of it, but you want to get one that can do the vacuum plus the sealer or the sealer by itself. And this is what I was kind of alluding to earlier. What I like to do is, I don't know if you do this or not with these Mylar bags. I like I said, I've never had a puncture. I've never had an issue. But 
the way I approach it is I squeeze out a little bit of air out of the bag where it cuts a little bit of the bulk down. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You want to. Yeah. And then I, then I seal it only because what that does is kind of like that, you know, kind of like those puffy, whatever packing material you get. It, it creates an air pocket in there and it keeps you from crushing the sharp edges of the dehydrated part of it meals in the bag. So I really like that. It's been super successful for me. I know a lot of guys that pull vacuum on them and get them down as small as they can. It works fine. I've done it. I've never had a problem with it, but I've just found that squeezing out most of the air, but leaving just a little in and using the seal function only you want to get a seal if you're going to use mylar bags you really want a sealer that can do about 400 degrees so you don't throw an oxygen absorber in there no no i haven't got to that yet okay. sorry um but yeah so the sealer vacuum sealer and then the last thing is like you said the oxygen absorber so on my meals um i i go overkill on the oxygen absorber <laughs> so these things are not created What's interesting is you buy, you probably know this, but you buy the oxygen absorbing packets based on the size of the bag and what's going in it. I always throw doubles in. Yeah. Well, I don't put doubles. I put 200 cc ones in. Yeah, those are big dogs. And they're not even that much more expensive than the smaller ones, to be honest. I mean, they're fairly cheap. But what it it not only does it, you know, it helps keep the freshness, but it takes the oxygen. Basically, it removes the oxygen so that you don't get aerobic microorganisms growing. Yes. You know, no fungus and stuff like that. You're keeping the, it increases your self life. Um, it kind of helps prevent the oils. Like if you're de- dehydrating meats and things that have oils or, gra- or gravies, like your new thing, um, <laughs> they can get rancid pretty quick. If, you know, if you don't take that oxygen out. Yep. Now I store all, I'll just mention this too. I store all of my meals in the freezer. Um, Don't have to by any means. And I'm not even sure it's a good idea. Yeah, I don't know. Because I don't know that. Because like even coffee, a lot of people do that. But you are absolutely never, ever, ever supposed to put coffee in the freezer. Coffee. Yeah. But I'm just saying the same thing. Well, number one, I hate coffee. I have to force myself to drink it. So So (laughs) I've had good luck with my meals in the freezer. Um, I'm kind of a, you know, I just, if you don't get it completely dehydrated and, you you know, your quality control is a little off or what, there's things that could go wrong. Um, But you certainly do not have to do it. If you're putting the oxygen absorbers in and you're doing a quality dehydration job, it's designed that that is not required. So I'm not endorsing that. I'm just saying that's what I do for the most part. And I've had good luck with it. I have not had freezer burn. I have not had staleness. I have not had, but let's be honest. I'm not, my meals are not making it past a year. So I'm really, I'm six months lifespan on almost all of my meals. So at the most, I mean, at the, at the absolute most, like I did find a couple left over from last year that we had. So, but they tasted just as good as the as the day we made them. So, um, yeah. So that kind of can't think of two oxygen absorber packets. I buy double. So anyway, so what I try to do is I try to buy double the size that the bag recommends um, for me. And then I told you I do two different types of bags. Uh, I have used the Subi bags. I think they're a good option, but they do not have the zipper. So you need to kind of understand what you're getting into there. That zipper vacuum sealer, <laughs> a vacuum sealer that operates as a manual and an automatic. See, I use an iron. So I have an iron. So really? hang on. So um, <laughs> back in the day, me and a couple of buddies used to fly airplanes and yeah. So, well, remote control airplanes. Sorry. Let's get back. Oh, okay. Okay. So we would fly these airplanes and like my dad was building an airplane and he had a thing to where they put like mylar on the wings over the wood frame. I never got into building them. I didn't care. I just like crashing them. But um, 
I, you could take the iron, and the iron was what shrank the, the plastic, the covering over the wings. And I take that thing. Okay. My buddy told me, because my buddy is, like, pretty big into prep type stuff. And so he's like, oh, yeah, I've been mylarin for – so, like, right away I got – I was like, well, where do you get them from? Oh, I get them from ready-made resources. Okay. Looked it up. Pretty good deal on there, you know, for the mylar bags, food grade, you know, high-quality bags. And I ordered some. And he's like, oh, yeah, use your, uh, use your airplane iron for the, the coverings. And I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, turn it on uh, one setting from the highest setting. Did it. Worked awesome. So I take a two-by-four, really? and I set that bag on there, and I just slide it across, and it's nice, clean. But I think if you're doing more of them than I do, it would probably be beneficial to do that with the other. So do you have to slide it back and forth a couple times, or just one time just is done? One time done. Well, that may even be faster than a sealer. But you can also do that with a household iron, from what I understand. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've never tried it. And you just take it, and I set my bag on the counter, and I have a two-by-four that I cut, and I lay my bag, and it's, like, just the right height to where the lip of that bag sits on there, and I just hold the bag Mm. so it doesn't slide, and I slide it right across. Interesting. Yep. Well, with my – if you gave vacuum sealers – Again, they're not all created equal either. So what you want to look for with those is one that can go to 400. You also want, like I said, that can be operated as a sealer and a vacuum independently. And you really want one that has adjustable timer option. So a lot of them are pre-set to do whatever. You push it down and then seven seconds later or five seconds later, it beeps and stops. But I found with these Mylars, it's really nice if you can get a cheap, and the cheaper the version, the more adjustability they are, which is weird. What? The less automatic. Yeah. You want the less automatic, the better. Okay. I've got a little one that you just push the little button above it and below it and change the seconds. Dude, the thing works so great. It costs 80 bucks. Okay. And, uh, but you can play with the time. So that you get a solid seal on that. Um, now, with the bags I'm talking about, it's not a huge deal because you're sealing them anyway with the zipper. Well, the vacuum yeah, part yeah. is just a, is a double protection. Yeah, I always and I, I, I highly I seal them. I highly recommend you do it as well. Don't rely on the ziplock, but it is nice that you. That you can do both on those bags. Oxygen absorbers. Right before I went out to Montana, I made a bunch of packaroons. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember me eating those, but um, I make a, I like them bigger than a cookie scooper. But we'll get into that later. But anyway, long story short, I ordered. Well, you're also addicted to Reese's peanut butter cups too. So. Yeah, but I don't take those with me on the mountains, so or on the trails, <laughs> because I know I'll eat them and they melt. But <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Besides the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, I ordered some from Amazon that were food-grade oxygen absorbers, and they were duds. Really? I threw them in there, and my bag did not shrink up, and it, did, it didn't do anything. And I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. So I was kind of not too happy about that. Yeah. So, well, so oxygen absorbers, another little thing is I, um, I put them in a mason jar with a seal lid. Oh, that's smart. With a vacuum seal? You do. Well, I don't pull a vacuum on it. I just use a mason jar, you know, with the with the with the good seal top. Yeah. And uh, that's not been canned, like a lid that has not been canned before. You know, it's still got the sticky to it a little bit. And that seems to, whenever I pop that thing, it like pop. You can, you know, you have to actually pry the lid off a little. That's every time. I've been resealing mine every time. And oh, it's a pain in the ass. Well, then you're wasting bags, too, just to cut it open again and, and use it in a couple days, you know? No, I, I take a small pint size uh, and fill up a pint, whatever, 50 or whatever. I don't put all – I don't do a big one because I don't want to – once you get down to a low number of oxygen absorbers, I don't want them to have to evacuate all their oxygen in a whole yeah. quart. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. So use a little pint jar. Do I do a small pint version of the mason jar? Works amazing for those. That's a good idea. That's that's really good. I'm gonna have to start using that. Yeah, that's a good tip. 
All right, Mark. So this is where we're going to end it for the the gear and equipment, right? Are we, okay, are we good. pretty good on that? Yeah, I think we're solid. All right, thank you. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenge.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep-sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.